0: Coming up, Joe Dante joins Ileana in just a minute.
1: Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, it's the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast, starring Ileana Douglas. Eavesdrop with Ileana as she interviews Hollywood's most prominent players about filmmaking, acting, and what really happens on the set of your favorite flicks and TV shows. Hi, it's uh, Ileana Douglas. Welcome to the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Tamara Burr. Hey, everybody. Doing uh, spooky movies. With? Of, uh, Joe Dante, our favorite. Our Come, first return our guest. Our first return guest. That's how long we've been Ever. doing the show. Uh, this is vintage, meaning it's amazing it's from high school. Rock Your Picture
0: Show. How big are your closets? Because you have so many th- Most no. of what you wear is vintage,
1: isn't it? No, that's the thing. Everything new I tend to throw away. If it's uh, older from my high school, I can't keep it forever and I can't and ever. bear to, uh, to give it up. It was a tie. I almost wore my taxi driver uh, t shirt, oh. which is also vintage, but. Um,
0: I love that about you. I love that you love that you keep all these wonderful vintage things. This one, first was of all, favorite. they look so good on
1: you, and second of all, it's it's just
0: you know. I mean, I'm the I'm the sentimental type when it comes to things like that, for sure. Yeah, I was well, I was you know. Did and you get it, kissed a lot in that shirt? Did you do a lot of this one? Yeah, no, I never got kissed. Did you get, did you I was you do a, a lot movie, movie of, nerd. I was. Were you lo- like a vandal in that shirt? What well, happened? That, that did you could, egg a house in that shirt? That's yeah. what I want to know. That's what we all want to know. You know what's shocking?
1: I was such a good kid. I, I, it, it, my, as my mom said, I'd come home. I would do my homework. Did you do a lot of homework in that shirt? So I've done that. A lot of algebra. I watched. I, watched the, I, I may have watched movies in the thing. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, that is. Talk about scary. Oh yeah. Please take that there away. There she is. Um,
0: yeah. So that was one. One of my questions was, uh, what scares you? Because we're in the uh,
1: in the season. What definitely what scares me, and I've just mentioned this before, as far as doing movies, and we, and we interviewed Bruce Davison. Oh. I can uh, RATS, yeah. I, I can't, and it's funny because I love squirrels, but yeah, um, you do. It's the tail. I've I've figured it out. It's the tail uh, of a rat. I, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why that is, but um, I've tried to fight that. But snakes and things don't don't really bother me. How about cockroaches? Uh, I'm not thrilled about them, but I I'm, and I couldn't have them on me. Like I couldn't oh, do. No. Oh my god! No. I couldn't do a movie again. I've turned down movies where you have to work with rats. Like I just can't. Mm-hmm. I just can't do it. Um, How about the other classics, like clowns? Um, clowns don't scare me. I will tell you, he, this Jason is Jason mask. This is a weird, like, could be past life thing. Mm-hmm. My mom always talks about when I was very, very little. <laughs> She'd try to give me a bath and uh I would always think she was trying to drown me. Well wow. Yeah. So I always had like a fear of being held under the water. Uh unexplainable. Wow. Uh, and then I saw you talking about with, with Joe driving. You know, I saw a lot of these scary movies yes. the driving that permanently yes, scarred me. But um a movie I saw uh, burnt offerings. And it's very nondescript, it's actually like you know, Cheese, almost cheesy. They move into a house, and the house has a has a spirit. It's Karen Black and Oliver yes. Reed Yes. and Betty Davis. And yes, she's, and uh, they, it has an entity, and the entity gets in Oliver Reed, and then one day, you know, he gets into this crazy, psychotic, possessed, state. possessed, so, and mm-hmm. he starts holding his son underneath the water, and it's really... And I remember watching it, and it was a complete depiction of my Uh, fear. uh, And I was watching it, and I was like, yeah, that's what it is. You think someone is going to just hold you underneath the the water. And to this day, I don't know if anybody else has this, I have an irrational fear that uh, a car that I'm in is going to go over the br- side of the bridge. And again, I will be drowned by the water. So, Good gracious. Yes, and recently I was doing a movie up in San Francisco with Sean Astin and Kate Micucci. I can't think of the name of it. But uh, we, we it's out on... It's,
0: it's that cute. I've seen it cute recently
1: too. pet movie. Cute pet movie, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's what they should have called it. <laughs> cute pet movie. But anyway... You know, we're I'm a grown up person and we're in we're in the car and we're going to location and, you know, we're crossing the the bridge, you know, The Bay the, Bridge
0: or the uh, not the, the Golden Silver- Gate
1: Bridge, not the uh, Golden Gate, the, the Bay, Bay Bridge. bridge. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know the guy's going to deliberately drive over the side and drown us. That'd be a
0: really hard bridge to drive off. It's very well fortified.
1: It doesn't matter in my irrational <laughs> not fear. not irrational, Tamara. you are know, trying to keep up a conversation. Oh, Unleashed. There it is. Yes. Unleashed. Thank you. <laughs> Cracks, staff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah I'm like, this is, I have this crazy irrational fear. So what's yours? Oh, there-
0: definitely cockroaches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Probably a little bit of the, the mouse rat thing. But I, I really think it's like things that scurry. That, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't handle that. Afraid of the dark a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Things that go bump in the night. Mm-hmm. Things that might be under the bed. I was um, sleeping in a strange house over the weekend, and I was in. I, I've talked to you before about how my sister used to make me watch all these scary movies when I was a child, and that yeah. has scarred me for my whole life. So I drew the short stick and was sleeping on the height of bed in the living room mm-hmm. in this house that I, that we were staying in, myself and my two sisters, and um, did not sleep at all the whole first night because I was certain someone was going to come in and murder me because. I was in the front room. I was the first person that they were going to get to. So, yeah. I, I, I'm, and then the next night, my sister was concerned that she heard doors opening. It was an old house. might have been haunted. And, and she said, I had a dream that a guy came in and he had... And I said, my blood all over him because he'd already <clears> murdered <throat> me and was coming for you. And she
1: says, yeah, pretty much. So... Do you find attics or basements scary? Oh, basements! Yeah, definitely basements. Oh, basements. good question. Another movie that I did uh, in uh, Chicago, not Stir of Echoes, which was a scary movie, but a crazy movie I did. Called Oh my God! One of these days we have to talk about that movie, Osobuco. Uh, I don't want to get off topic. Okay, but, but we'll devote some time to that because okay. that was kooky. Um, the ill-fated production of Osso <laughs> But I wanted to get back to Chicago because I love Chicago. But mm. they put me in a place and it was haunted. And oh. and I've, I've already been, I lived in a haunted place in New York and I got out of it. So I, I definitely believe in haunted places. Thanks. But I went in, t- I, they put me up, they said, oh, we thought it would be, you know, cozier. Charming. If you're, you know, and these people are out of town or, Whatever, and you know, so it was the sublet, and and it had a basement, and I literally the the washer was in the basement, and I and again I had to admit, I had to have the. Someone for the one of the producers over there and I was like I'm actually afraid to go in the basement yeah. Will you come with me please and, come with me and go down and and uh but I was scared the entire like I had to sleep with the lights on and oh my god but he thought it was haunted too yeah I we were one day we were in the kitchen and again something strange happened which was interesting because the apartment in New York all the weird things happened in the kitchen around the sink and uh I was like that seems odd. And then but he said it too, so uh I was backed up by the spirits. That stuff's real. That stuff's real. All That's right, I've scared myself uh as the as the fire roasts around us. Okay, let's bring in uh one of my favorite people in the universe, Joe Dante. He is of course a a director and a producer, and uh, also does trailers from Hell, which is amazing. Known for the films The Howling, Twilight Zone, the movie The Burbs, of course, Gremlins, and has directed, uh, I didn't know you directed Hawaii 50, CSI, Salem, MacGyver, many, many more. And you can catch Joe and his friends like me. <laughs> <laughs> what a shameless plug on the web series Trailers from Hell. Hi, Joe. Hi. So nice to see you. you I'm th- back. You're back, my second guest. Okay, what is scarier to you, basements or attics, and why?
2: Hmm. Basements. What, Cold, it? clammy, no light. Attics. No attics often have light, you know. Yeah. Know, like some come through the, the shafts that come through the... Roof, right. Uh, basements are clammy and dark, and yeah. uh, there's only one door in, usually. And yeah, and that's closed. You're stuck.
1: You know, I grew up in New England, and they are uh, you know, and this is true. I'm not even kidding around. But like, when people died, they just put them in the basement. That's because <laughs> they they couldn't bury them. Well, they
2: had basements too. I mean, they don't have basements out here at all. No, no. It's it's a, it's an odd thing here. The here to.
1: they have to chop everybody up and put them in a trunk and. Uh, <laughs> Send them to Arizona. The soji treatment. Wasn't that the famous, the first woman that got, um, uh, I can't think of her name, but she, she cut someone up and she cut up her friend and put her in a steamer trunk. They found her in Arizona. Ruth Snyder? Yes,
2: that's it. Thank you. I love that you dug that out. Well, that's uh, Sam Fuller had this great script, The Chair oh, and Ruth Snyder, which he never made. Oh, mm-hmm. Do you, do
1: you, I remember there was – when I was a kid, I always had this fascination. There was a, a book called Blood Letters and Bad Men. Does that at all ring mm. a bell? I have no idea why. A big, thick book, and it had every sort of gruesome, you know, thing, uh, you know, from ran the gamut from
2: – So your parents weren't monitoring your reading habits, apparently.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, they were – They were living (laughs) on a commune. (laughs) They were doing their own thing. They weren't. No, they weren't at all. I was totally. I was totally into watching the scary movies. Now, the first scary movie that I ever saw was uh, I accidentally walked into the room my dad used to sleep on the sofa downstairs when he was staying with us, and I walked in the room and Phantom of the Opera, the second one, The the Claude Rains one, the Claude Rains one. Um, but I saw it in black and white because we didn't have color TV but I literally walked in the room when he pulled the mask off and that was my, became my boogeyman. Do you, do you remember the first scary movie you saw?
2: Well, it wasn't that one. Um, the first scary movie I ever saw was I believe called The Mad Monster.
1: Oh, I it remember. was a,
2: a, a mad doctor picture with George Zucco and uh, he, he turns the handyman, Glenn Strange, into a werewolf. And what was particularly scary about that movie was that uh, there was a little girl in it, and it was all done with indirection, but the, it, the little girl walks into a room with her little ball and then you hear these noises, and then the <laughs> ball comes out by itself and she's like dead. And for some reason, when you're a kid, other kids getting killed in movies is very affecting and yeah. and, and very upsetting, and it stayed with me for and, and it stayed with me for years. I mean that that was a very low budget. Uh, picture from the 40s that, of the, uh, that were among the first batch of stuff that was dumped on television. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that TV needed when they first started was they needed stuff to show. And so they bought these packages of old British movies and all these things, and they ran them, you know, morning, noon, and night. And mm-hmm. uh, and it, uh, it was really a cheap program. yeah um, I got addicted to that, and now I miss it. You know, now it's all reality shows and infomercials and all that stuff. But you used to yeah. be able to just turn on the TV at two o'clock in the morning and see movies.
1: I yeah, I love that. I was hooked in last night to watching uh, low-budget uh, movies on TCM. They had uh, the the Devil Bat.
2: Yes, that was this is one of the same kind of pictures. This is that was Lugosi night last night. Yes. Yeah.
1: So they had that uh, low-budget. Although I love their credit it to producers, uh, releasing corp.
2: Yeah. It's a great logo. Wasn't it? And uh, there was a there was a guy who worked for P, uh, PRC um, uh, named uh, Sam Newfield. Mm-hmm. And he directed so many movies there, westerns and everything, that he had to adopt pseudonyms because nobody would believe <laughs> that one guy directed all these pictures.
1: Aww. <laughs> well, the Poor guy. I'm glad you at least you remember his, his name. But, you know, there was a hokiness about it. But then it's, Bela Lugosi was just... Well, Bella classes it
2: up. I mean, you know, without without Legosi, those pictures really aren't aren't going to do much. And 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 when you give him a part like Doctor Carruthers, uh, all all Heathville loved Doctor Carruthers, right? <laughs> I know, you know. and and it, it, because he's invented this shaving lotion that <laughs> uh, is... he, that he gets he gets cheated out of by his uh, he he invented it, but the the, yeah. the, the the big guys take it away from him, and he decides to get his revenge. So he makes this other lotion. And it attracts the devil bat, which just happens to be this gigantic bat that he's got in his uh, in his laboratory. Yeah. And he lets it out at night, and the Love bat it. goes and kills everybody that he has given the lotion to. Try a little more on your throat, yes, you know. And <laughs> <laughs> and the guy says, "Oh, this is pretty good." And Bella says. You'll never try anything like it again.
1: Yeah, he always he he knows he never he never gets campy with it. I always no, very very serious. Yeah, my favorite thing is when he's subtly when they say so long or something and he goes goodbye. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I thought, so long, Doc. Goodbye. Son. Goodbye. <laughs> was he the first uh, person to have? I mean, where does the idea of the Eastern European? slash gypsy horror come into movies. Do you know? Well, you know,
2: he was a star in uh, in, in Hungary, and, and when he came over here, he sort of had to start at the bottom. He, he did a lot of silent films, and um, when he lucked into Dracula, mm-hmm. which he had played on the stage, it that changed his entire career. It gave him a career, but it also kind of killed any serious career he would have. And he, he worked for, a, you know, a lot of, he worked for Lubitsch, I mean, he worked for a lot of good yeah. directors, but but. He really found it difficult. I think, the, I think he found the language a challenge. But uh, he found it difficult to get out of that, that niche. And he was happy to do it because it brought in the money and all that kind of stuff. But I think he, when you see him in a picture like Son of Frankenstein where he steals the entire movie as right. this character who should have been the subordinate character and was so good in the picture that the director kept adding more scenes for him yeah. and, doing, and, and, and building up his part uh, that, that it was like there was a lot more there than he was allowed to show.
1: Yeah. Um, What about the Frankenstein movies? Are you a fan of of theirs? They're beautiful.
2: I mean, I I, I didn't... uh, I was how old? And when Shock Theater came on in 1957, I guess I was like 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, I had heard the name Frankenstein. And the only Frankenstein movie that I had seen was a picture called um, Frankenstein 1970, which was not a very representative frankenstein movie right uh and i didn't know who boris karloff was so that when i saw voodoo island which starred boris karloff i Mm -hmm. didn't know that he was the old guy i thought he was one of the young guys Mm -hmm. um because there just wasn't that kind of information around you know you just didn't have any place to go to find out yeah i know and so when i saw uh, when shock theater started the first pictures they ran were dracula and frankenstein and the mummy and went week after week Mm -hmm. and um Frankenstein was, you know, it's a, it's a it's a great movie. Yeah, I I, I I Bride of Frankenstein is technically a better movie, but I think there's a purity to the original Frankenstein that it has just been unmatched. And of course, Karloff's performance is it's phenomenal. Yeah, uh, it, it's a, it's an amazing performance. He's a, he's a he's a sort of a puppet. He's a child. Uh, he doesn't know what's happening to him. The way he yeah. walks, the way he carries himself. And Christopher Lee told me that you know he the the the, the walk that he did when he played
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, the monster was because he had seen you know the the idea of of him being um, totally uncoordinated. Yeah, you know, to be able to do anything, to even put his hands together. And uh, and so it became very iconic. And right around that time, of course, was when. Uh, famous monsters of filmline magazine came out which united all these geeky kids mm-hmm. who thought that they were alone they thought there were nobody else like them they were the only one in their class who watched this stuff you know yeah. and, and and then all of a sudden there was this community right of monster kids who all were like the same stuff and that actually became such a force i mean it was underground but it was such a force that there was a surge in movie making mm-hmm. and in the late fifties of of monster movies and horror right. movies and and science fiction movies to cater to that audience.
1: Well, those are all the movies you bring those up. All the ones like Atomic Creatures. Gone wrong,
2: the giant ants. The... the giant ants, the amazing colossal man, <laughs> the incredible shrinking man. I mean, anything that happens because of atomic power. I mean, I was I was a child of of the atomic age and we were terrified. We were, Every time yeah. a plane flew over, we thought there was a bomb in it. Well, and, and, nowadays. And so, there was a certain level of paranoia just yeah. to being a kid, just walking to school. I remember this little girl said to me one day on the way to school, she said, you know, the Russians could drop a bomb right now and we all be dead. And I, I never considered such a thing. We I mean, uh-huh. made a very long walk to school, and and I, there was just a a fear in the air of right. what could happen because it was. And when you're a kid, you're it's, you're really being, it's out of your control. I mean, yes. there's nothing you can do. And so, when the Cuban missile crisis rolled around, mm-hmm. um, it was devastating. I mean, mm-hmm. we literally didn't think there's going to be any school on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or ever. And um, and I, I put all that stuff into matinee when I when I made that picture,
1: which of course I love matinee. About. Which you did
2: it, which you did a, a lovely. Thank to you. On a Hell.
1: Do you think that nowadays, because you mentioned uh, obviously Frankenstein, Lon Chaney is. We could just go on and on about about him, and I want to get to my favorite kind of movies, which are insane asylum <laughs> movies. I love, and Lon Chaney and Bedlam is again one of my favorites, but. You had sympathy for the monster, but nowadays it's they're almost kind of campy you know the
2: well you got to remember all this stuff is being built up on layers and layers of movies that people have seen and absorbed and, right and, and, and filmmakers have seen and absorbed and so it becomes extremely difficult to try to do something new in yeah. a genre that is so uh, overbaked um, and was always considered pretty junky until currently it becomes something that you can count on to uh, build tentpoles on. Mm-hmm. But uh, w- these movies didn't really get a lot of respect when they were you know, being made in the, in the 30s and 40s. And uh, somebody like Val Lewton was given like n- zero money mm-hmm. and used the old sets from the other pictures and used the contract players and just, here's the title and just give me something. Right. And he, and he managed to turn it into these wonderful, beautiful, poetic, morbid movies yeah. um, that are still popular today. But they weren't, they, they were seldom taken seriously. I mean, every so often somebody like Manny Farber or James Agee would write something nice about them. But it wasn't mm-hmm. like he was, you know, riding around in his Rolls Royce with people throwing flowers at him for making these pictures. It, it, yeah. It, it, they, they, were just, they were just second features.
1: Yeah. The uh, the other one I want to mention is the Invisible Man. Is that is sort of a scary movie? Oh, here? it's it's a
2: great. I mean, God, it, I love it, that the, movie. The original Claude Rains is, is completely insane, and and I love uh, that film. and it's it's also got that James Whale combination of horror and humor, where yeah, the miserable Man does something silly or stupid or crazy, and then all of a sudden he kills somebody.
1: Yeah, you know, and,
2: and it's sort of like whoa that's I didn't I, I thought when he threw the ink at the guy that was funny, but then he beat him to death with a chair, and that wasn't so funny. Uh, and laughing all the way. Yeah. Um, it's it's a brilliant movie. And particularly for 1933, I mean, it, it's really technically an amazing movie. It, didn't, it looks beautiful. Of course, it didn't win any special effects awards or anything like that because they, they didn't have them then.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned humor in in you know, why does humor in in horror movies go hand in hand? You do you need that. Well, it does for or... me. I
2: mean, it doesn't necessarily for everybody. But I, usually, horror movies are promised on on something absurd, and if the yeah. if the audience has to you have to you have to like a horror movie, you have to buy into it. You have to right. buy into the premise. I mean, what's what am I what am I have to believe in order to enjoy this story? And usually, it's something that's a little uh, hard to take. Mm-hmm. And if you don't give the audience something to laugh at they will find it somewhere else because right. uh, it, because the absurdity will crowd up on them and they sooner or later will be too much for them that was right. one of the reasons why uh, early horror movies always had a wise ca- cracking reporter comedy relief character. That's right
1: last night. yeah
2: they had one the, 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 because that's, well, that's, <laughs> that's that's the that's the audience surrogate character. That's the one who I can see. you know take all the be, be cynical and and sarcastic about what's going on and, and then once that's over with then you can take it seriously. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, let's get into one of my favorite sort of tropes. It's the the sort of the woman is crazy. Like and the insaneest
2: <laughs> when she's really crazy or when she's being railroaded.
1: Well, like let like She's being <laughs> railroaded. Yeah, and I'm going to take for again one of just my favorite movies is uh, and I love Val Luton, but uh, Bedlam mm-hmm. with Lon Chaney. I and... say well, Boris Karloff. Oh, sorry. Let <laughs> me say Lon Chaney, Boris Karloff. Sorry. Um, and uh, she sees the court in and who gets you know sort of falsely imprisoned.
2: Played by Anna Lee, who was a wonderful actress in, in in many many John Ford movies, and this is one of the one of her biggest parts.
1: Yeah, and then she, you know, when she's in the insane asylum,
2: she. Well, has they to. have reasons to put her in the insane asylum. What and, are the reasons, know, know, reasons? Well, Jim. they, they, they she, she, come on <laughs> because, she's a, because she's a feminist. Oh, there, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, <you> said it. <laughs> and so, there, and so, uh, you know, she doesn't take crap from anybody, and she's a very progressive heroine. And uh, Karloff, who is running the asylum and raking things off on the side and being cruel to everybody, uh, figures that his job would be a lot easier with her out of the way. Mm -hmm. And he manages to phony up uh, a hearing that makes her look crazy. And she gets put into the insane asylum where there's a lot of people who really are crazy. Um, And she then becomes a sort of a Florence Nightingale character trying to make them them better. And there's a lot of really good dialogue between Karloff and Anna Lee. And, and, And one of the great things about the Luton pictures is they're so literate. They're so well written, and the dialogue is so, so good, and mm-hmm. the actors loved playing it. I mean, Karloff said that, 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 that he, he felt that Luton had saved him from yeah. you know the kind of movies that he was the repetitive kind of movies that he was constantly doing. I mean, every Columbia Mad Doctor movie was the same doctor with a, a different experiment, right? And and these movies were, were you know a step above that. I mean, these were classy scripts, and um, and Bedlam is it's always been one of my favorite movies.
1: Uh, do you like, uh, what about Isle of the
2: Dead? Isle of the Dead it's is another... a little less exciting. Uh-huh, uh, Dial, uh, it, one of the things that you have to get used to about Val Luton is the pacing. There's, yeah. These are not breakneck movies. <laughs> Even though some of them only run 59 minutes, they, yeah. they, they, they move at their own measured pace. Mm-hmm. And Isle of the Dead is a mood movie. And the mood is very, very, very creepy. And it's also very dark and... Yeah um and again you've got characters who are trapped in an island with a a plague going on and then there's this this catalepsy sort of subplot uh and i think that was the movie where karloff injured his back and they had to stop shooting for a long time and then they had to go back and finish the movie Mm -hmm. um but there's there's two levels of of uh luton movies there's Pre-Karloff, which was the cat people and those kind of movies. And mm-hmm. then once he got Karloff, then he did The Body Snatcher, which is a fabulous movie and has oh, that's incredible dialogue. Yeah. Uh, and and, and that's, that sort of filled out the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Luton, you know, he went to MGM and he made uh, a, a, a murder mystery that did okay. And then he went to Universal and made a Western, which was pretty good, but it, it, it wasn't what he wanted to do. And then he, he died much too young of a heart attack.
1: Didn't they? they, I think they all did in those. (laughs) Everybody was like... um, Another one of his, uh, I Walked With a Zombie, is another interesting... Now imagine
2: trying to make a good movie out of that title. Uh, Yeah. You know, I mean, how daunting must it have been to go down and say, oh, here's your next title, and it's like, oh, God. I mean, there's a great scene in The Bad and the Beautiful where Kirk Douglas is playing a character who at that point in his career is sort of modeled after Val Lewton, and he does a movie called The Catman. Right. And he manages to figure out a way to not show the Catman and make it, make it do it all with indirection and make it scary and spooky. And so they go to a preview and it uh, this is great cards. And then uh, he and his director friend, you know, uh, talk about what their next picture is going to be. And the studio sends them another movie. He says, Guess what? It is? The Doom of the Catman. <laughs> <laughs> And that's when he decides he has to break off and make his own company.
1: Yeah, he does so many. Uh, did you do you do things like that? There's so many great sound effects and rustling of leaves and things. The levels of things. Well, it's what go- you
2: don't see. It's what your your mind is going to give you much better than a lot of latex. Uh, and that doesn't mean I'm. I, I mean, I love monster movies and. I, I think the idea of seeing the monster at the beginning of the movie and then seeing the monster again and then seeing the monster again, it's sort of like, well, you know, it kind of looks the same as he did last time I saw him. Uh, right. Whereas if there's something going on that you're not quite aware of or it's over there in the corner or it's just a sound effect, uh, uh, that was the whole Luton approach right. On you know, a movie like The Leopard Man where mm-hmm. you know it's really just a leopard that's loose and, and killing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's th- the scenes themselves are staged in such a way that they're just creepy and dark and scary and filled with... Um, shadows that you can't quite see what's in them. And right. and, that you, and your mind starts to play tricks. Your mind starts to think about what's going on and start to, to add to it. And, and yeah. uh, So all of the really good scary movies, The, the Haunting, The Innocence, pictures like that, mm-hmm. are movies that They're not slam-bang movies. They're movies that make you think and they work on an intellectual level.
1: Are they made in the editing room? I know when I worked on uh, Cape Fear, uh, because Marty had never done a, Martin Scorsese, had never done a suspense movie and he really had a tough time uh, creating suspense and I know Spielberg came in and gave him some advice, you know. How many times do you cut they had a little scene and they had tied a string around a teddy bear, and that was how you were going to know that Robert de Niro was in the house and mm. the, you know so these little things, and how many times do you cut to it and not cut to it and and do you preview an audience well previews are
2: previews are, the, are among the worst nights <laughs> you can have because on the one hand, the first time you 're showing anybody your movie mm-hmm. and if you can manage to talk them into letting you preview it without the studio people there. It's a lot easier to take. But if the studio people are there, it's like every cough is like you think, oh, that scene's going. You know, right. Every, anything that you care about in the movie, if somebody goes to the bathroom during the scene at the end, well, they've got people left. You know? <laughs> and, and, and you're, you're so, you, on the one hand, you so want to protect your baby mm-hmm. and show it off correctly. And on the other hand, the reason you go to a preview is to find out what's not working. Right. And so if there's something not working and, it doesn't, and it, there's something in the second reel that doesn't work, mm-hmm. the whole rest of your preview is kind of useless. Right. Because you, you, you've lost them. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's it's that's why uh, a, a non-studio preview is the absolute or, or even running it for your friends is better than one of those things where they're all breathing down your neck and they're just waiting for something and, and and also there's an adversary thing I mean there's always something in the movie that somebody doesn't like or something you've done that they don't trust and they're looking for the an, an evidence to be able to tell you to take it out right uh, and so it, it, it's it can be fraught with you know flop sweat uh, even 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 good previews are are, are kind of difficult.
1: Are there any rules on how to create a jump? You know, like a good jump in a it's, not, movie. it's jumps are not that hard to
2: do. They're I mean, not. if you can if you can <laughs> if you can get the audience relaxed, yes, and then surprise them with something they don't expect, whether it's something leaping out from the side of the screen or whether it's something falling down, or mm. you know, it, 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 could, it could be depending what the situation is. But you know, it's it, it, what's harder to do is to create dread. Is mm. to create a, a situation where people are actually scared and like The, the and Shining, and yeah, and they're in the back of their the hair on the back of their neck.
1: The Whole movie, you know, yeah, right. Whereas sometimes you go as soon as the camera widens out, you go, "Oh no, someone's coming in the window." Well, the other, the other favorite,
2: <laughs> the other favorite trope that uh, always kills me is when somebody leaps in. Somebody's coming towards you, running, and then somebody leaps in from the side of the screen where yeah. the person would have obviously seen them. You know, <laughs> like, like, they're <laughs> like off camera. Ago, and I, but it still surprises you. It's yeah. just, it's a cheap. That's a cheap scare. It is.
1: Oh, that's funny. Uh, what, um, what about? Did you find Dress to Kill? I thought that was, you know, Michael Caine at the end. Did Did you think it was scary or well, funny? Well, most
2: people, unfortunately, were able to figure out the uh, the, the mystery. You of, mean based of on dress the... to Kill? Well, just by lo- by, no, by, just by or... watching the movie. I oh. mean, it was it was it was fairly apparent to uh-huh. many of us who see a lot of these movies I mean, I was a how this was, was gonna going to end.
1: Oh, really? Uh, but if
2: you're a kid and you haven't seen any of those kind of movies, I'm, yeah. I'm sure that would I'm sure that would work fine.
1: I saw um, Carrie in a drive-in, and I remember the end. It, it killed me.
2: Well, the end is almost all anybody remembered of that movie. I mean, I, I saw. I, I went to a particularly bad screening of Carrie where people yeah. laughed all through the movie oh, no. at the wrong places because really? of, mainly because of Piper Laurie's character. Yeah, and. Then at the end there was this big scare, mm-hmm. and they all went out talking about what a great movie it was. Oh, that's funny! <laughs> you can really turn them around with an ending.
1: You know that's interesting because I remember even as kids thinking Piper Laurie was kind of over the top, and and uh, well, it's not her
2: fault. I mean, the character is over the top. I mean, that's Stephen King's fault.
1: Yeah the uh uh oh you bring up stephen king so let's t- talk about again the shining uh, for me the shining i have watched it so many times and it's changed
2: more times than stephen king has watched it I can bet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> why did stephen king want to do his own version uh, because he hated cooper's version how could you hate stanley he Kubrick? hated
2: it he didn't like the way that it and I, and I know i have friends who who love the book and hated the movie because of the divergence, because uh, th- you know, when Kubrick does something, he does it his own way. Right. So he's not doing a slavish copy of, of, of the book. He's going right. to do his own thing. Mm-hmm. And whatever it was that he did with it was obviously not what King was hoping for. And he seemed to be blind even to the merits of the movie. I mean, even to the photography and the music and the, yeah. know, all that. Um, and so he went off and my friend Mick Garris directed um, a miniseries version right. of The Shining, which was much closer to the book.
1: Yes, I. I which I saw, uh, but I still I I like the movie again. I'm, I think it's so interesting because and Rosemary's Baby has the same thing. When you have someone that you know, you know, like Mia Farrow and Rosemary's Baby, and they're still around, it, it, it's great to rewatch the movie and and kind of think of that person and their iconic performance in the film, and I feel the same way about Jack Nicholson. He seemed to be at a time in his life when he was in that movie that I can't think of anybody else that I would more enjoy watching him go through... You know the movie has taken on a life of its well, own. Well, I then, guess the
2: knock on the movie, and I, it's, I, 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 I'm, I love I love Kubrick. I think all of his movies are fascinating, even the ones that don't work. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, I just find like it Eyes hip, Wide Shut hypnotic. Yeah, but it's still like it's a hypnotic. It movie. is hypnotic. I, mean, I, enjoy, watching word, I hypnotic. enjoy watching. it. That's the perfect word. I enjoy watching it. Just it just doesn't work. Um, <laughs> but uh, Kubrick's, you know, take on. Uh, on Stephen King was just not to Stephen King's liking, <laughs> and um because it's his pri- it's his book, which it still exists by the way it's not like you didn't burn the book right <laughs> he made a movie uh, but King really really didn't like it, and I think um i I don't know if Kubrick really actually cared or not that Stephen King didn't like it.
1: So as I've watched the movie, when I watched the movie when I was a kid, I was totally, you know, I I was much more on Jack Nicholson's side. And uh, now as I watch it, I'm much more of the mind that he's insane from the beginning of the movie. Well, that's the knock on the
2: movie, actually, is that people say that he's acting so crazy from the beginning of the picture that, you know, where's the surprise? The character that most interests me is the Barry Nelson character, who is the guy who runs the Overlook. Yeah, he's who, great. Who is really great, and who in the original cut comes back okay. at the end of the picture <gasps> uh, to visit her in the hospital. Ah! And the, and apparently the day after the picture opened, Kubrick decided to cut that scene out and end on the photograph. And so that no one has ever, that I know of, like maybe wow. Leon Vitale or somebody has seen yeah, uh, that footage. I would, I would, I would love to see it. I know people who saw it when it opened and remembered that that footage was in there.
1: Wow, what it, I, I kind of like that. I no, mean, it, was, it sounded
2: really creepy, but um, you know, we ain't going to see it.
1: Wow, well, I love imagining it. It's sort of better than the photograph. I mean, I like the photograph. The photograph's okay,
2: but it's very Twilight Zone. It, it
1: you know. is, yeah. And to you sort of know what's you know what's coming. Do you think at all? It's a metaphor for marriage. It, which uh, sometimes in horror movies, I, I think it's a metaphor for. A well, relationship. I, I
2: I would certainly hope that that marriage wouldn't be a <laughs> metaphor for marriage. At least <laughs> no marriage that I was a part of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I well, I was just. I mean, I was just wondering because when I watched it recently, I was like, "Was this sort of a metaphor for, for like men and women or relationships?"
2: And well, you know, the and, the, and then there's and the also the, 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 and... also the casting. His casting is usually very good, but the the, the casting of uh, Shelley Duvall, I think, was maybe a little problematic because she was identified with olive oil, right? And you, you, you can't watch some of the scenes without thinking about Popeye and olive oil. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just, well, no, I see that's why I'm saying my, I've shifted I mean, I'm spending a lot of time on it, but I'm shift, I'm not shifted. As much, not as much time as Stanley spent on <laughs> <laughs> I've shifted my opinion because I'm much more on her side now. As I, was. she's trying to be nice. Well, I think she's
2: she's wrong, definitely. He's, that guy's nuts. You know, I mean, yeah. he obviously broke his kid's arm. Obviously, he did all this bad stuff. You know, he was a, yeah. he was a drunk, and yeah. now he goes and the and the great scenes with Joe Turkle as as the bartender. I mean, those are great scenes, and I don't know how. Stephen King couldn't like those.
1: You were talking about ominous, and a thing that that strikes me as ominous, and absolutely nothing happens, is Scatman Cuthers just watching television alone. And it's I always thought, and again, I picked up on the fact that he's alone; he's not in a relationship, and
2: that's... you know, there are two different versions of that movie. There's oh the, no, there's it, the long version, yes. that we're familiar with, and yeah. then there's the European version, which he cut twenty minutes out of. <sighs> And, and there's, Which I bought in sixteen millimeter, thinking that it was the original version. And I went, "Wait a minute! Where, where's the scene with the and what what happened with?" The, and there's a lot less of Scatman in that version. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, because I, I to
1: me he makes the movie. I love I love Scatman. Look at him! How scary he is! He knows he knows something bad's going to happen. Um, okay, Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. The, for for you mean, me, the that's, one that's
2: being reissued right now without any credit to Roman Polanski. I know you too, <laughs> but that's that, that is. That's odd. Well, it's just wrong. I mean, it's just wrong. I mean, you can't take people do things or they don't do things, but you can't take away what they've done. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't erase Kevin Spacey out of House of Cards. He's in House of Cards. If you or if you want to watch that show, yeah, up to the new season. No, I know. I agree. you can't just put somebody else in there. That's, that's what the guy did. So you know, take it or leave it.
1: Well, what does the DGA feel about that? I, I don't know. I'm that the DGA that... has... well. They're
2: not. They're not. Oh. They're not uh, they're I thought not they... in the forefront of uh, worrying oh. about stuff like <laughs> okay.
1: that. Okay, so no artist rights. Well, Well, there's
2: no contractual obligation for them to credit him, you know. But they do mention that Ruth Gordon won an Academy Award and nothing about his Academy Award nomination for Best Screenplay. So, uh, nonetheless, all that aside, it's one of the great movies and and one of the best directed movies ever and one of the best cast movies ever. Yes. Uh, And it's it's, it's endlessly watchable.
1: That's how I feel. If it's on, that's one of those movies that people say, if it's on... Yeah, you just
2: hear clicking by, oh, I'll watch that. I I just...
1: There's no. Do you have a favorite uh, moment at all?
2: Uh, it's they're all great, but I love that shot where the uh, she, uh, he's on the phone oh, and she's trying to look at him, and yeah, and, 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 and uh, it, when you watch it with an audience, the audience actually shit. shifts <laughs> in their seat to try to get to look through the door, even though it's a flat image on film. Yeah, and that's 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 power. That's that's directorial power. I love so And the dream sequence is fabulous. The
1: dream sequence. It's one of the best I've ever seen. So, and it's
2: exactly like the one I read in the book. It's, that, that movie is the most close to a book adaptation that I've ever read. Because I read the book first, and when I saw the movie, he saw the movie exactly the way I saw it when I read the book.
1: And the book is by Ira Levin? Ira Levin, yeah. Did Ira Levin also write Stepford Wives? I think he did, and he also wrote A Kiss Before Dying. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. That They never show that movie anymore. Well, they that. show
2: the remake, which isn't that good. Oh,
1: okay, good. Uh, let's do, yeah, for that, uh, the original film with Robert Wagner yeah, yeah. and Joanne Woodward, is yeah, it? Oh, yeah. God. Thank you, Brain. Um... <laughs>
2: <laughs> You've now gotten to the point of the podcast where you congratulate yourself for being able to think. Just yes, just to remember.
1: I
0: Remember the film you were in in San Francisco a couple of minutes ago.
1: But uh, I want to. These s- things happen
2: with age. <laughs> I
1: want not, no, not with me. I go to dance class. I journal every day. I'm doing everything for my mind and body. Um, I want to get into the, as I said, the um, uh, now the, like this. I, get, I don't know how you would term them. Uh, I'm just going to throw out the movies, and then you give me the term. Bunny Lake is missing
2: seconds, gaslight, like just something. Well, you... Bunny Lake isn't quite the same as seconds and gaslight. I mean, gaslight is the is we get the word gaslight, you know, from you right. know, driving people crazy. But that
1: that idea that you but
2: she's not being driven crazy. Well, she is, but but that's that's, that's sort of like talking about a movie by it's giving her away brother. the spoiler. It's... <laughs>
1: But I love, Those are movies that always scare me. It's like the person you know... Well, Seconds
2: is really a creepy movie. I mean, and that's during Frankenheimer's great run from the early 60s through the mid-60s. Did you
1: ever get to meet John? I Jonathan? did. I
2: did. He he uh, he directed a, a version of the Iceman Cometh for uh, Eli Landau, and it was a like five-hour version or something. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he lost his print and turned to vinegar. And I happened to have a print. And so I called him up and said, you know, you can... Take my print. It's, it's, they're both in the Academy. And so he invited me out for lunch at Medeo's, which was his favorite restaurant right underneath what used to be CAA. Yes. And I had a wonderful uh, lunch with him talking about his career and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And, and lots and lots of interesting material about uh, the um, Island of Dr. Moreau, oh. which I had been asked to step in to when uh, Richard <laughs> Stanley was fired. Uh, and, uh, and Ron Perlman, who was in the picture, called me and said don 't do this don 't come here <laughs> no, this is this is all screwed up that's a you don 't want this joke you don't want this you want this movie's a joke you don 't want to come here and so uh, Frankenheimer, who I guess was between gigs, yeah. um, decided to go ahead and do it, and he had stories that would that i that I actually can 't repeat right. but are hair raising stories about val Kilmer
1: Wow, <laughs> that are beyond the scariness of I the... think
2: yeah. Anyway, it was really great. He was a, a great director, I think, and a really nice guy.
1: Um, he was not a fan of seconds
2: and didn't live long enough to see... Well, you know, when, it, when your movie doesn't make any money... Oh, really? Very Is often the, it drops in the pantheon. You know, you go, well, he, I, don't, that, I, I don't... Isn't that funny? I don't know what I was thinking. You know... Does, uh, do you,
1: it, now, let me interrupt. Do you? Does the director hate that? Because I'm always the one, I'm like, I love so-and-so, and they just look, give you a blank... Because I would always say, God, I love seconds. I mean, of course I love Manchurian Candidate. In the train, you know, he's done so many great movies, but I always oh,
2: seconds is a, is a wonderful movie. I mean, it's 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 just it does everything it's supposed to do, and it's truly creepy. And uh, again, casting it's all the casting is great in it. John Randolph is fabulous, and I think maybe the first time I ever saw him, sad it. It has a sadness. Um, yes, very melancholy. Um, and and bleak. I mean, <laughs> I mean the ending is pretty bleak. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I think he he sort of lost his footing after that picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did pictures like the Extraordinary Seaman and the, the Gypsy Moth and pictures that are, you know, technically fine but just don't have that.
1: Aren't quite there. However, I, I actually am a big fan of the Gypsy Moths. Um, Burt Lancaster, mm-hmm. in my mind, can do no wrong. He's I know. Like my, I'm obsessed <laughs> with... He's my favorite... He's great. Most, uh, you know, uh, and the, the actor who just uh, passed Scott away. Scott Wilson. Scott Wilson. Yeah. And Gene Hackman uh-huh. does a great job in that. Okay,
2: any of your favorite... Let's talk about some of your favorite scary movies. My favorite scary movies? Uh, I... Uh, I, I tend to like older pictures, but that's because yeah, I'm sort of locked into my past, and so influenced by the movies that I saw. Yeah. Um, but today, there's some good work being done. I, I, you know, when I was talking about how difficult it is to do something new mm. uh, with the old tropes, uh, the one that I keep coming back to is Cabin in the Woods, Drew Goddard's mm-hmm. movie, which is um, ostensibly on the surface. A movie about teenagers in the, the woods mm-hmm. getting slashed, you know, which is what the audience came to see. Right. But what the audience didn't come to see, and is the extra bonus mm-hmm. of the fact that there's a whole different level of what's going on that's not just what the audience expects it to be. It's it's almost metaphysical. And his new movie, uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Mm-hmm. Is also a fabulous movie. Oh, okay. Which I, which I, I recommend highly. Okay, it's it's really good. It's 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 two hours and twenty minutes, and it feels like it goes by in eighty minutes. Mm-hmm.
1: Some of them I'm, I miss the mark, like Babadook and. Babadook didn't work for me
2: because I, I thought like... the little boy was so horribly ugly <laughs> that I just hated looking at him yeah uh, and 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 it's 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 a very well made movie, but i it just didn't click for me,
1: and I, which I always feel bad about. I'm like, hmm, I don't
2: no, no, it got it did good for her she's she's gonna have a big yeah. career, you know uh, and and that's fine, but i the the premise just didn't didn't strike me as working
1: they they I know in the news they were saying i I didn't know that was necessarily true that women don't get a chance to direct horror movies. is it that... well,
2: that's what Jason Blum said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that I didn't was, think that was, was necessarily was, true, but is well,
2: it true? They, yeah, sure, they get they, they get a chance to direct whatever women get to direct. It may right. be a horror movie, it may not be a horror movie, right. but um, uh, women have, uh, you know, I mean, you don't have to be idle a to. Be able to say that you can do muscular movies, you right? Know, or that you can do movies that are, you know, for men uh-huh. uh, or for everybody, which is what they should be. Um, but I, I think a lot of uh, women right now, um, Karen Kusama made that uh, that that uh, movie. I think it's called The Disappearance. Or. Mm-hmm. It was—I can't remember the title of it—but it was an apocalyptic movie. And it was really, really good. And 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 Jennifer's Body was a movie that she had made just before that, which was a movie that you know didn't work for me at all. So and now I think she's doing some big movie. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I, I these are, these are really good. I mean, they're, they're they're Me Too times, and there's you know fallout yeah. from that. But th- these are really good times for uh, to be a woman and be directing, and particularly television i mean there's a there's a sort of a mandate there's we've got to have x number of because right. first it was x number of minorities and now it's x number of women um which means i don't do any more hawaii five was, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay i did a lot of them um and i think it's i think it's good i, th- I think it's a it's a, pl- it's a plus because nobody as howard hawks once said nobody ever got to be a good director why not directing and so if you don't get a chance then yeah you can't do it
1: um, my last question is: are, are we running out of time, or can we're, we keep we're doing going? Okay, we can go. Oh. Yeah. oh, good.
2: Okay, it's because you talk fast.
1: Um, I want to talk about devil movies and the idea. I used to love. Well, we mentioned *Rosemary's Baby*. I love devil movies, good and evil. Mm-hmm. But do you think, do you think that as as the world is so evil that the devil becomes obsolete, like, w- would the omen work as
2: well today? Oh. God, I love the omen. I think the omen, omen would work today, yeah. I mean, look, you have to look no further than the White House. I mean, you're going to... You're, you're going <laughs> to see. You're going to see. There is evil going on in the world. Well, that's what I'm saying, is if it's... can Is
1: is a movie, can it be escapism? Well, well
2: that's 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 a question about you know when, when our lives our actual lives are so turbulent and all the the things in the news are so uh, fast changing and yeah. so negative uh, it's almost like it's not an escape anymore if you're going to go see a horror movie where people are in trouble but 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 it, horror movies have traditionally been a way for people to deal with unpleasant turbulent times mm-hmm. you know in the 30s the 50s comic wars vietnam all that yeah. stuff i mean they, they, they always produced a lot of horror movies. And uh, the era that we're in right now uh, is going to produce a lot of horror movies, if nothing else. Maybe that's the one good thing about what's going on is that there will be more horror movies because people do need to find a way to channel their fear. Right. And they are fear. People are fearful. And, and they're being made to be fearful. Fear fear is now something that's being exploited mm-hmm. uh, largely everywhere and on the whole, over the whole world, in fact. And uh, I think that... Um, that's that's good ground for horror mm-hmm. movies
1: the uh wh- where do you fall on I-, I can't watch them is the the gore movies i haven't mm-hmm. seen any of them
2: i am just off well there are gore movies and there are gore movies i mean there's uh, i can't
1: see gore I gore can't, gore, can't gore movies are
2: well you know there were like, these what? movies started um really began with Blood Feast in the 60s, which was a very, very low budget picture made by Herschel Gordon Lewis, who had been making nudies, but then said, well, we could make this too. (laughs) Just chop her up, she'll be nude. Um, And the problem with that became that um, there was no rating system at the time. So they would run these things in drive-ins and people would be driving down the freeway and they'd be looking up and they'd be seeing women having their tongues ripped out in color on these big screens. And there started to be this big reaction, like, you know, maybe we better do something about this. And so that's why the rating system came in. But then when the the rating system came in, then it was a license to be able to do stuff that you couldn't get away with before.
1: And so instead
2: of uh, suggesting tastefully that somebody's tongue has been ripped out, you had these Mark of the Devil movies, you know, uh, a lot of European movies, a lot of Italian cannibal movies. Uh, that were like, mm. where they not only killed, um, animals on screen, oh, but, you know, tore up corpses and there was autopsy footage and all this stuff. And it, it became, uh, a kind of a, a niche market Yeah, uh, for people who were quote, gore hounds. And there were all these mag little magazines that came up, you know, that were there. Fangoria started mm-hmm. out as basically a, a, a magazine that allowed you to see pictures of people with their bodies being sliced open. mm mm-hmm. And that was one of, the, one of the things that our parents had warned us against when Famous Monsters came out. But Famous Monsters never had any pictures like that, you know, because they, <laughs> didn't, they didn't exist. So th- there is a market for this stuff, and there has always been. And n- n- now with, you know, home video and, and uh, streaming and all that yeah. kind of stuff, I mean, you can, you can avoid this stuff. You don't have to see it. Uh, but it's pretty clearly marked, I think. You can pretty, te- pretty much tell. Uh, what kind of movie you 're about to look at you know they, they 're not masquerading as you know father knows best i mean right. these are these are pictures that are pretty obviously last house on the left rip And yeah you know and there 's not a lot of gore in Last house on the left, but it 's a very very unpleasant movie uh, and um I spit on your grave there 's rape fantasy movies where they you know the the, the, the woman comes back and Gets revenge on the rapists and all that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, it's always been a, a trope, but, you know, I don't find it very rewarding, so I never wanted to make them, and I certainly don't really particularly enjoy watching them.
1: I feel like those were the ones I was teasing the show by saying, and again, we didn't have any internet. It took me years. It was uh, actually Martin's Scorsese I was like, well, there was some movie I saw at a drive in. It was a girl who was in a bath, and something slithered up her, and he was, you know, it came from within. And it turned out, and so it was, yeah, it was solved that it was David Cronenberg, uh, and
2: that it was, I was—I realized with horror—I was like, "Oh my god, I made a movie with him! I,
1: <laughs> I was in a
2: movie with him, and I
1: didn't know." At he least you was, weren't
2: in a bathtub with something crawling up you.
1: <laughs> but that movie, I have never—I've never seen it again. I don't want to see. It. I've looked at the trailer. I looked at the trailer, and I was like, "I can't believe!" Like again, <laughs> dusk till dawn. We used to just see these images. But I think we knew it was make-believe on some level, well, even though it scared us. But We were a little more uh, innocent about things. Yeah. you know. What about the idea that, and again, uh, Motel Hell had, I think it had Rory Calhoun. Rory
2: Calhoun, one of his last pictures.
1: Yes, that
2: was the... Looking very ill, actually. Because <laughs> I- he was a pretty strapping guy, and he was pretty old. And I, I came away from the picture thinking, gee, Rory Calhoun has cancer. that was was what the movie did for me
1: that was the the last movie I saw on the drive and then the drive in closed 1981 Uh, it was so sad it was my whole childhood wow
2: that land's worth a lot of money there's a mini mall on there now
1: no it's (laughs) it's a doctor's you know whatever what do they call those hospital doctor thingies that they do I don't know surgical come. center. Yes, one of those. So sad all the all the happy memories from that. But uh do you have any favorite uh scary drive-in movies? Basket Case was another one I saw. Remember that one? Oh yeah.
2: About the the whole idea of drive-in movies was that um you could take the kids, pop them in the car, pay not much money. Mm-hmm. Uh and then um <laughs> <laughs> and then if the picture was not, it was bad for them you'd put them to sleep in the back or, you know, drug them or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and there were usually th- in, in my um, neighborhood, there were in New Jersey, there were usually three pictures. And one of my father's friends was a guy who owned a drive-in. And he said, uh, uh, he would always ask me, well, kid, what's, uh, what's out that I can use as a chaser? Mm. And I said, a Chaser? What do you mean? He said, well, you know, we run three pictures, and uh, we call the last one a chaser. And it's got to be bad, so they drive out early and we can all go home. So he well, we, was constantly asking me, what's what's a, what's a short black-and-white movie that's that's no good, yeah. that they won't like, that I can book? And then there'll that's still funny. be three movies, but we won't have to stay all night.
1: That's so interesting, because now that I think of it, that's you'd start the night off with Carrie, and it would get progressively... Yeah cheesier and you know it came from within was probably three four in the morning yeah
2: but then you know companies like AIP would take all their old movies and they would put them out as drive-in packages so you could uh-huh. see all the Poe pictures or all the yeah. Karloff pictures or whatever yeah. five of them yeah d- dusk to dawn uh and uh, that way and they would just play their old prints as they started yeah. to get more ragged and more faded and more scratched and it, it didn't matter until they fell apart they would just keep running them
1: yeah, we prided ourselves. You know, you wanted to stay up till five. That would be a, yeah. you know, it would be a badge of honor or something. Usually, everybody else was asleep. I'd be there watching, you know, watching. <laughs> and movie. that food
2: was so good from the that session <laughs> stand. Those, those green hamburgers. <laughs>
1: Now, I found this, this was my uh, uh, thing about, um, you know, reasons for admission to an insane asylum, 1864 to 1889. You could be committed for reading a novel. Can you imagine? Hysteria. In public, apparently. Yeah. Laziness. Uh, excessive sexual abuse. Of course, that happens a lot. Epileptic fix. Um but did you ever have that you, you didn't have that
2: fear. I think that's a
1: more female No fear. I had epilepsy
2: but I didn't have I
1: didn't I have you fear of being been. put away <laughs> I feel like that was you know that's such a part of uh, I don't know the culture. I feel like that is a paranoid. Uh, well, that's I, I that that
2: that's from what year?
1: 1864 to 1889. Yeah, I,
2: I, I think even even though there are still some backward people, it's we're a little bit more enlightened now.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mentioned the the thing. You, Cary Grant's father committed his mother for mania, and 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 then he told her that she was dead. And uh, years later, I mean, that to me is like a real life horror. That that well, always yeah, works that's, as a horror movie. I, I didn't. So the uh, 1950s. Here uh, he, he is, Cary Grant, a famous movie. Didn't star, Henry
2: Fonda do the same thing with his wife or something at one point and Didn't his, tell the kids.
1: And then right, that she was away at a resort. Yeah. I think that's what they always say.
2: Your your mom is your away, away. A, She's on vacation at a resort. Yeah. And you think, oh, what's she doing on a vacation? Why do not she take me? <laughs> my mother came out to when I was a kid. They, they, my parents went to California for uh, a vacation or something, and, and they went and they went to Disneyland. And my mother came back and said that she went to Disneyland. And I was so angry, yeah, that she went. To, she, she thought she was going for me. <laughs> it's like I, I want the one I wanted. I never got to go to Disneyland until I came out here in 1973.
1: Yeah, peri- well, there there was always the, the you know when you when you grew up that all the rewards of everything you, when you, were for adults.
2: Yeah, right, and that's why you wanted to grow up is to get a, yes. get a hold of some of that stuff. Yeah, and then you get then you get there and you discover well. A sometimes it isn't really all it was cracked up to be, and B maybe it doesn't even exist anymore.
1: That happens in high school. <laughs> that happens to be. and then that—that's around the time I started reading Dorothy Parker and you know, The Bell Jar.
2: It's like there's no <laughs> point.
1: Mm-hmm. You they know, made very,
2: they made a very bad movie about them. I bar.
1: know. <laughs> and speaking of books to movies, uh, oh, we didn't do The Exorcist, a movie that I still I find The Exorcist very, even though it's. Some parts of it are possibly dated. Are you Catholic?
2: Yeah. Oh, see, is, is it why? that's the thing. Well, because that movie works on Catholics differently than it works on other people. It, there's a whole there's a whole set of things that have been incul- inculcated in you as a child. Yes. About about as a Catholic, and that movie um, sadistically <laughs> tweaks every single one of them. Yes. There's every single guilt that a Catholic can have is in that movie, and it is exploited ruthlessly. Mm-hmm. And brilliantly, but ruthlessly, and there's really no quarter. And, and what's fascinating to me about that movie is if you mm-hmm. walked in in the middle of that picture and just saw the head turning and all the special effects stuff, it would not affect you mm. the way it does by seeing from the beginning yes. where all of those very disturbing images and very disturbing plot points and that, that, that his mother, dee me, Di me, why you do this to me, Di me, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. I mean, all the guilt. There's yes. so much guilt in that movie. And what, what do Catholics have? Guilt. Yes. <laughs> it's true. So it doesn't matter whether you're a lapsed Catholic or what. It, it, it's just that movie just works insidiously.
1: Well, it, but it gets into a thing that a good horror movie has, which is the villain or the bad person or the entity can somehow get into your head and, mm-hmm. and know what you're thinking
2: yeah and it's also a trope that they use in uh, science fiction movies where the, yeah. the the aliens take over your parents and invaders from Mars you know and so you know you can't <sighs> trust them because they're, they're invasion of just, the body sub, yeah, s- the people you think you knew.
1: Did you ever see the movie um which I like quite a bit? It's a little cheesy, but uh I Married a Monster. Oh sure. That's Matter a lot Space. of fun.
2: There's a lot of good stuff in that movie where the uh the aliens are trying to get used to their new bodies <laughs> yes. and they, and like they're go they go into the bar and they start talking about about what you know, how to how to do st how learning how to smoke and yeah. and, and do all that and it's it's a it's a very clever movie.
1: Yeah, um, I feel like that's another. That's a sort of a little gem if anyone is looking for it. And again, it seems to be a little bit of a metaphor for marriage, maybe.
2: Well, I married a monster from outer space. It's in the title. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's so optimistic and hopeful, and then she gets married, and her husband's an alien. Well, see, that's it happens to so many women. Yes, probably. All right, Joe. Anything you want to add uh, to this? No, scary I, since spooky.
1: We,
2: I. Didn't even know we had a topic. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> how do you spend Halloween? Uh,
2: well, I used to spend it hiding in my back room, yeah. uh, so that I wouldn't have to give out candy. I can imagine, uh, if
1: someone came yeah. to your house, they'd freak out. No, no, I, I used they to take. I had picture. a
2: grandma, and I used to put it out. And, oh. You know, I, and when I, when, I, when I was a kid, I used to take horror movie uh, stills and put them up in my, yeah. on my front door and, and all that stuff. And um, and now it's become so commercialized. I mean, on my street alone, there are like. Five or six houses that have all the same Halloween decorations, and they're yeah. pretty clever. I mean, yeah. some of them are those little half half bones that are sticking mm. out of the ground yes. that looks like a half a skeleton, and, a, and they're nice. But yeah. everybody's got the same ones, right? So it's sort of like not—it's not as much fun. And, and there's a lot of expensive stuff. I mean, the, the the Vine Party Store is right near my house, and they have right. these these balloons outside that, that that move. There's a hearse that that, that <laughs> it's a mechanical hearse that's made out of balloons. Yeah, and it's got monsters in it, and it makes noise, and it and it's. It's a lot of money to spend for one week. <laughs> yeah. Because you no, can't I know. do it's much right. with it after that.
1: Our neighborhood, too, with the rest in peace. Uh, yeah, pieces. Rest in pieces. <laughs> rest in pieces, yes. And the bones. <laughs> another, another, another Kosoji
2: reference. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, my God. All right. Thanks, look, Joe.
2: Look
0: for Joe's web series, Trailers from Hell. Trailers from Hell. dot com. And, and,
1: and don't, don't forget my...
2: Don't forget my podcast, the movies that made me, which uh, uh, Eliana, which has, is fantastic. Has been, has done.
1: Who's on this week? Uh, Robert
2: Forster. Robert Forster is yeah. on this week, and he's nice. he's a lot of fun with and, who, um, you. And, and your... I have a movie coming out, uh, Nightmare Cinema, which I'm me and four other directors
0: coming out when?
2: Coming out hopefully soon. It's playing at uh, festivals, horror nice. festivals and stuff. Cool. Nice.
0: You can keep up with him on Twitter at Joe underscore Dante. Thank you, Joe. Thanks. And buy Ileana's book. I blame Dennis Hopper. It's that's out right. In paperback,
2: it's right here. I'm working on stars, no. Working on
1: the second one, which is going to be s- scary and spooky.
0: Also, like our Facebook page and the website is Ileana'sPodcast dot
1: That's right, and as we always say, that's everyone's life. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a nice picture, isn't it? Yeah. I took that's just sitting on my front step, my stoop, because I'm Italian, <laughs> sitting on the stoop. <laughs> everyone's life is like a movie sometimes it's a movie like rosemary's baby with a beginning a middle and an end <laughs> today is the end of our show thank you joe have a great day happy halloween producers maria menounos kevin undergaro phil svitek and the entire popcorn talk network we would like to thank you for tuning in for questions or comments be sure to visit popcorntalk.com